We're back. What's up? Is it? It's time. It's time for the seventy uh, twenty podcast again. So that's that's always a good time. That's why that's why we do this. Yes. Because if we just came in here and sat and talked to each other with headphones on, that would be. Well, what people don't be, know is how much time we've actually <laughs> spent just be, doing that'd that. That'd be a little weird, but you know, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I just said it would be, be sort of weird. If you've never listened to yourself talk in headphones. It's awesome. You should do it. It's awesome. It makes you feel really important. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, so I just want to uh, have a, a little conversation about a topic um, uh, called reciprocity. Okay. And um, it's, it's sort of – it's sort of interesting if you if you take uh, just the, the definition of reciprocity. It's the it's the practice of exchanging things with others for mutual benefit, uh, especially privileges granted uh, by uh, one person to another, whatever that is. You sort uh, countries practice reciprocity, people practice reciprocity. It's really what society is completely based off of, right? right. Give and take. I mean, yeah, it's, that's it's, exactly yeah. right. So, so the definition. So, if you look at um, if you look at all the marriage books or you look at uh, all the relationship books or you even look at management books, uh, they're always falling back to this idea of reciprocity and how, how you create it. Uh, now, marketing loves reciprocity. Reciprocity is probably one of the strongest marketing tools on the planet. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, reciprocity is, uh, was in the – there was a 1984 book uh, called Influence. And it was called the psychology of persuasion, and a guy named Doctor Robert B. Ooh, Ka- Caldini. 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 <laughs> he, he basically found six principles uh, of, of persuasion, and the very first one is reciprocity because it's just so incredibly powerful. Right. So in marketing, it is right. You get all these things if you buy this or right. go to this place. Yeah. But one of the things he highlighted about reciprocity in particular was is that if someone knew you were doing something to get something, then it sort of all fell apart, right? Okay. So again, <laughs> this is reciprocity at its core. You're supposed to do it like, um, uh, you know, uh, you smile at somebody, they're supposed to smile at you back. That's an example of reciprocity. But you're not supposed to... But if you're s- just smiling, so right. that someone's going to smile back, right. that's that, not right. That's a problem, right? right. Well, it's yeah. reciprocity still, but it, but if someone found out about it, they'd be less likely to smile back at you. Right. So uh, there's a lot of marriage books that basically say, hey, look, reciprocity is this is how you do a marriage, right? It's give and take. You've heard this a million times. And and the idea of a perfect relationship... What are you going to compromise on? That, that's a compromise. Yeah. That's another really good example, which is really, what am I willing to get up to get what I want, right? And yeah. Yeah. you know, it's not really, it's not as good as it sounds. And, and even and even books like love languages and things like that are just a way to teach you to better. Yeah, this is the way you do it. That's right. This yeah. is the this is a better way to manipulate the person around you in order for you to get what it is that you want. And reciprocity is, is uh, another great example of this is your job, right? You go in and you do the work, and they pay you. Right. If you if they stop paying you, you're going to stop going in and do do the work, right? So this is sort of the the nature of reciprocity. But what's interesting to me is that before the fall, uh, there was actually no such thing as reciprocity. Uh, So before the fall, God's provision was the garden, okay? And man didn't have to do anything to get, okay? So if you think think about it, right? So God God had Adam do things, right? Rule, name animals, things of that nature. But his provision 
was not a function of him doing that. Right. So, for example, if he was, if he put off naming the animals a couple weeks and God showed up, he's like, well, you know, you're not going to get the bonus of apples this week, so uh, it's out, right? No more oranges for you uh, because you got to do this work before I pay you. That concept just it would completely didn't exist, right? There was a fleet a free flow of God's provision onto Adam. Right. He didn't have to do anything, or it wasn't a task oriented affair. He didn't have to try to get his to-do list done so he That's could right. get what he needed. Yeah, and so like in Genesis one twenty six, man's told to rule, but there is not a reciprocal arrangement created mm. there. There's just the request that Adam rules. It's yeah. what he's there to do, yeah. right? Uh, but his provision is, is based off God. So now what's interesting is is people will then sort of say, well, actually before the fall, God created Adam and Eve, and that's obviously an example of reciprocity. Right, Adam and Eve, helpmates, so on and so forth. They're supposed to be helping each other out. But the reality of it is, is that that's that even that is false. Prior to the fall, there was no such thing as reciprocity. So, like in Genesis one twenty seven, the Bible says, "So God created mankind as His own image." And, and and as I was sort of studying this, by the way, I, I really had a new, a whole new perspective on what man and woman really is, and what it is in in God's perfection, what He intended to do there. So. So let's just start with uh, with Genesis one twenty seven. Okay, so God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them, male and female. Uh, right, and so check this out though. That's Genesis one twenty seven. Woman wasn't actually created until Genesis two twenty two. So what is God talking about here? Who who is them, and who did He create? Um. What what's going on is in Genesis one twenty seven, male and female was created and it was in one person. Mm-hmm. It was in Adam. Adam was the representation of both male and female. There was no separation yet. It didn't exist. And so in Genesis two twenty two, a full chapter later, the Bible says, Then the Lord made woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. So what has God has done here? is he's, he's now split the male and female, right? Used to be one person, Adam. And, and people will say, well, why did we call him man? What, why, why was that? Well, it was the dominant trait. So I have hazel eyes, which is a dominant trait for me, but there's recessive traits that are still there, right? right? But we say I have hazel eyes, even though I have recessive traits. Likewise, uh, Adam had the recessive trait of female, but his dominant trait was male, and so God essentially splits the two, right, into two actual human beings, right? And in Genesis 2.24, it says, that is why the man leaves the father and mother. So they've been split, but this is why the man leaves the father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh, right? So they become one flesh again. So think of it this way. What God had split apart, he brings back together through marriage, he creates this separation, and then he brings it back together. And I, f- I find that so interesting because this idea of reciprocity, how it is, is, is between two entities, yeah. right? So people who go into marriage and say, well, and you see this all the time, right? I'll love her, but if she doesn't love me back or she's mean or he's mean, and I'm not talking about abusive relationships. That's, that's totally right. different, right? Right. But people will go into these relationships, and if there's not reciprocity there, 
there is something deeply considered wrong with a relationship. And, and I think that's partly because the man hasn't fully integrated with his wife, right? He hasn't actually sort of – he's still sort of keeping his own identity separate from his wife. There needs to be that merging of the flesh and become one again. And uh, that's sort of what when we talk about how, uh, how men should act in marriage, we talk in our small group about the idea that your identity comes from Christ. And it's not a ref- – your wife and, and whether she does or doesn't love you or happy or not happy – is not actually who you are, right? Right, Because as long as you're playing that game, you're not one flesh because there can't be reciprocity amongst yourself, right? That's between two bodies or two entities. And so when we see that and we see people looking for that, we sort of know immediately they're trying to get their identity from their wife, and that's actually – it's actually creating a a rift, right? It's making it difficult for them to become one flesh. And so while I like that, you know, I was actually talking to – a buddy of mine, he says, yeah, but Eve was created to be a helpmate. So how does that work? So in Genesis 2.18, it, it says that, that that's where God basically comes in and he says, hey, look, I'm going to make I'm going to make him a helpmate. And um, he also says, I'm going to make him a helper comparable to him, which I thought was really interesting because it, it's basically saying, hey, look, it's the same thing, right? They're equals. Um, but what does it mean to be a helpmate? And this is the part that that sort of blew my mind. I had always, and in every church I've ever been in, the way they explain that is, and even if you say it, that's Adam's helpmate. Right, helper. Helper. It, it, it seems to denote that she's there to help Adam. Less than in some Yeah, somehow less than, right? It's like yeah. this person is here to help me. But the reality of it is is that, that that's, that's completely wrong. And it, blew, it literally blew my mind. Okay, so here's the deal. It's more like a band, right? Okay. Um, so like if I play guitar and you play drums, okay. we're, you're helping me in my band, right? But you're not helping me play guitar. Right. Okay. I play guitar. Okay. You play drums. But we're helping each other to produce music or in this case produce God's music, right? So it's more like the woman and the man are playing two different instruments that are both necessary in order for them to do what God has charged them to do, which is rule over the earth. In other words, man can't really rule over the earth in completeness and in fullness unless someone's playing the drums, right? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, and no one would say, oh, well, the guitar is more important than the drums whenever you're hearing the music because you sort of need them both there to play that. If you're playing just the guitar, you can do that. Right. But it's not the same song. Right. right, there's not the same richness of texture. Well, it doesn't there. have the same effect. It doesn't have the same effect, right? It, it's, it's in some ways it's missing something. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's really what it means to be a helpmate, then, right? It's not. It's not. It's not Adam who benefits from Eve's help. It's God's creation that benefits from Eve's help, which I found really crazy interesting. So before the fall. There is no example of reciprocity, not even between Adam and Eve. Uh, the fall, or the reciprocity actually comes from the curse, right, mm-hmm. that was given to Adam. So in Genesis 3.17, the Lord says, Because you listened to your wife and ate of the fruit, of, uh, 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 of, uh, ate of the fruit from the tree, which I commanded you, you must not eat from, cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil... Oil, I'm from the South. You will eat food from it all the days of your life. So now God has set up this new system 
where before in the uh, in the um, garden, provision just was, right? Now Adam has to work for his provision. He has to manipulate the environment, and that environment reciprocates by providing him something to eat. So now what's happened is is now reciprocity has entered the world. Now there's a new system God has created to care for Adam, which is not God's provision anymore. Now it's Adam's hard work and toil, and there needs to be reciprocity for that to work out. Mm -hmm. Now what's really interesting about this is even in Levitical law, this is represented. So, for example, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye, right? That is reciprocity. It is I do and you do, and as long as it's equal, we're in good shape. But if it's not equal or it's unbalanced, then that needs to be addressed so that it's in balance again. Because in Old Testament, reciprocity was the model that God had created. That, that's, that was his whole system. Right. Okay. Um, likewise, like if you did sin, right, you needed to go do a sacrifice, right, to create and balance, right, and reciprocity, right. But then, then Jesus comes along and he sort of he sort of messes it up, right, and he really highlights the problem with reciprocity, and you sort of see this over and over again, right. People are coming to Jesus and they're sort of trying to get him to explain this new kingdom that he's talking about. How how does it work, right? Because the things he's saying, reciprocity doesn't work, right. The way he's approaching it, it's like, where's my provision going to come from? So, for example, in Matthew 18, 21 through 22, uh, we're talking, this is the, how many times must I forgive my brother? So it says, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Now, what's interesting is he thought he was really overshooting it here. He yeah. actually wasn't required. He, he just being, three being times. Clever. Yeah, three times is how many. So he was doubling up and adding one more just for just for good measure. And he really thought Jesus was like, you nailed it. You're so awesome. But, of course, Jesus is into busting bubbles. And so Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. So if a person expects reciprocity and they, they sort of expect this person to say, oh, you've forgiven me. That's cool. I'm going to start being a good person now. Um, it's going to be impossible for that person to forgive someone 539 times. It's impossible in the reciprocity model for me to forgive you that many times because I'm just going to get tired of it because you're not changing. You're not getting better. You know, I I forgave my sister-in-law or my brother or whatever for what he did to me way back then, but he's not changed. He's still a liar. He's still a cheat. I'm done with him, right? And you hear this in today's world, right? Like all the time, I'm just done with him. And what Jesus is really saying is, no, just you got to just keep forgiving him. Yep. But we're as humans, like like I said, in the in the old model of reciprocity, we're waiting for them to change, and if they don't change, then that's a problem, right? But when you grasp the, what Jesus is really talking about here, he's talking about the spiritual model that we've talked about before, which is the concept of flow, right? Which is you get your provision from God and you pour it out onto the, onto the world. So that's what. So so if you look, like I said. In the concordance, if you look it up, right, there is uh, there's a reference to the eye for an eye because what's really going on here is Jesus is saying it's a different model, right? It's a different model. And most people are going to look back at that and say, yeah, but how long can I do this? And, and right. Jesus' answer in the flow model that we've talked about is forever, right? Because your, your energy, your ability to forgive comes from the Lord. Right in a reciprocity model, you're waiting for the person to change, and if they don't do it three times, then you know you're off the hook. You don't have to forgive right. anymore. But in the new kingdom model of flow, where the economy in that kingdom model is flow, right in that model, it's actually 
that you do it unlimited because you're getting from God. And this is that uh, the parable of the of the of the debt, right? Where the guy goes to the king and says, you know, hey, I'll pay you right. as soon as I can. And the king says, you know what? Forget it. You're Your good. debt's forgiven. And it's a, this massive, massive debt, right? And then he immediately goes out and he he and he doesn't forgive uh, his servant. It's it's the same concept for us, right? We have been given this amazing thing. And now all we're asked to do is go and pour that out onto other people in an unlimited fashion because we have yeah. been forgiven yeah, just, in the same fashion. Flow no matter what. Just flow no matter what. Well, have you have you this verse I think is really cool that talks about that. This is also Jesus talking in um Matthew chapter five and it's he's talking about an eye for an eye. He says, You have heard that it was said eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to turn them the other cheek as well. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, go ahead and give them your coat. If anyone forces you to go a mile, go with them two miles. Give to anyone who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. He's literally saying, just flow into whoever. It doesn't matter what they're trying to get from you. Right. You you just give and it doesn't matter what you're gonna get back. Yeah, and that's that's so radically different, right? So again, the fall, God sets up reciprocity. There's a whole covenant law that's sort of based on the concepts. And then Jesus comes up and he's blowing everything up. Yeah. And people are looking back at them and going, Yeah, but but what 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 if I don't what if they don't what if I don't get taken care of? Like what what if what if I don't get what I need back out of the world? And and God's saying, oh, it's no longer about that. Yeah. Now it's about what you get from God, right? So so what I'm trying to say is is that at the end of the day, reciprocity as a concept is completely broken in terms of spiritual relationships and love and forgiveness and the way we're supposed to interact with each other. It, it is it is a broken concept, and if you once you sort of get this and you say, oh, wow, okay you start to see all of the messages in our society that are focused on reciprocity. They're focused on it. Mm-hmm. And, and it's the wisdom of the world. I had one guy, he actually gave me a whole like passage back from a management book saying, hey, look, you can't do, you can't have relationships where there's not reciprocity because if you have these relationships, one person is going to feel as though uh, they're, they're getting ripped off and, uh, and then the other person is going to feel superior Right, because they're doing so much more, and 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 the problem is, is that, and so they're like, hey, you need to foster reciprocal relationships that are equal, and the and the problem is, is in the world's view, that is an absolutely logical thing to say. It is totally logical. Yeah. But God came to make the world's wisdom look foolish. Yeah. Well, and and we're supposed to be different than that, right? right? And if you go a little further in the the verses that I was reading, uh, Jesus is talking about again. He's saying love your enemies, but at the end of it, he says, if you only love the people that love you, what reward will you get? Even tax collectors are doing that. And then he says, if you only greet your own people, so people that you would more than likely be getting some kind of benefit from, he said, everybody in the world is doing that. So what makes you any different? No, that's exactly right. Yeah. And so if you go through the Bible and you just look at Jesus' interactions with people, what you really see is this whole, yeah, but how, am I, how, how does this work? How am I getting mine? I don't, I don't understand. He's blowing this all up with this idea that reciprocity is the wrong way to go and that tapping into what the Lord has for you and then pouring that out of the world is the new right way to go. And you're not going to have to worry because, you know, he says, hey, look at the lilies of the field. Right. Right? Look, look at the birds of the sky. Why are you worried about how you're going to be clothed? Right. 
my Father in heaven, if he cares for these little things, how much more does he care for you? This is him telling you that your provision no longer has to come from the world. You no longer have to work and manipulate the world to get what you want. Yep. Man, I talk to so many Christians who, who, who are just tired. It's like they're trying so hard to make it happen, mm-hmm. right? And if you think about that, that's sort of what Eve did in her original uh, sin. She basically went after something that was good, which was wisdom, right? and right. She, she tried to make that happen. Instead of getting it in God's time, she tried to make it happen. So you can go after these good things, right? But but you get exhausted because you're trying to make it happen. And and what's funny is, is that's what, the, if you think about it, right, that she's choosing to go after and get it herself. That was God's curse. He said, okay, you want to go get it yourself? Boom. Now you go get it yourself. I'm out. You go do it, right? Mm. And it's the same thing now. Like, I meet these Christians. They're so wound up because they're they're Christians, but they just feel like they've got to be in control, making it happen. They're worried about their bills. They're worried about all this stuff. And God doesn't want you to worry. I'm not saying that those things aren't real. Right. I'm just saying he doesn't want you to worry about them anymore. Right. Because only whenever you move out of reciprocity, right, trying to, trying to make it happen, trying to get what you want from the world, only when you move out of that can you really love people. Because up until that point, people are just things you use to get what you need. And so whether they love you back, it matters, right? It's like, oh, does it, oh, no, I'm not getting back what I need, right? But once you sort of let go of that and you say, God's got me, I can finally just love and pour out onto people. Now I can finally love people. And that's the real reason why reciprocity is sort of a problem and why you've got to move out of that model and you've got to move into the flow model that Jesus is talking about. And the only way you can move into the flow model is if you accept that Jesus Christ is Lord and you put him on the throne of your heart, and you stop thinking that these things that provide your provision are, are aka reciprocity, right? Like you're going to get your things from these other things. You got to take those off your heart. You got to put God on it because if you leave those things on there, they're going to become the idol, and then you can't love people. But if you will absolutely say, okay, forget it. God's my, God's my provision, okay? Now what I'm going to do is I can now love people because yeah. I no longer need them to supply anything back to me. So you can love people like Christ loved them. You know, uh, what's interesting is um, th- there's a great example of this. Uh, so they're casting lots for Christ's clothing. Okay. The guy has been literally beat to death, right? And they're casting lots for his clothing. And that's when he says, Lord, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's the ultimate act of reciprocity, or rather, rather flow, as opposed to reciprocity, because these people are not getting any, are not going to give them anything back. He, matter of fact, they're taking from him, taking the last things he has. They're betting on it, yet he still is saying, "I love them." So when people talk about uh, we're Christians and we got to be Christ-like, and they, you know, they put all this like, "Well, you got to walk this way. You got to wear sandals. You know, mm-hmm. you got to have yeah. long hair and be yeah. sort of hippie." Yeah. What we really should be focused on is dumping reciprocity, tapping into God for and putting him on the throne of your heart so that you can have flow, so that you can just love people. Yep. And finally love them the way Jesus loved them with no expectation of return. And so that's that's what I gotta tell you guys tonight. So just look at the world around you, look at the message of reciprocity, how it permeates the world, and recognize that that's the curse that was a, that God gave Adam as a result of original sin. And Christ supplies this whole new concept called flow. 
And if you could just tap into that, your whole world will change. First of all, it's a lot less stressful. You don't have to deal with yes. dealing yes. with nearly as much stuff. Um, but uh, but anyways, so that's our podcast for tonight. And uh, thanks for joining us. And we will. Oh, by the way, if you have not subscribed yet, it hurts my feelings a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Wait, that's reciprocity. Does that mean we're not supposed to? I guess not. I guess we're just supposed to put out really great content and then people will or won't subscribe. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's it. Hopefully. You don't have to subscribe Hopefully anymore. Right? We're just yeah. going to flow, right? Yes. So we're flowing. Anyways, we'll see you guys next week.